Hello. Welcome to the Completely Unnecessary Podcast for Tuesday, September 20th, 2022, like the last day of summer just about. That's right. That's Ian Ferguson. Go Bills. I'm Pat Contry. I'm blasting myself, but you shouldn't do that with a gel blaster surge. No. You shouldn't, shouldn't blast yourself. Operate the gel blaster surge. Uh, new sponsor the safety this week on the CU podcast. That's right. It's our new favorite thing uh, on the show today. We'll have a follow up to the uh, prototype Atari cart intuition story with half life books. Uh, we'll be talking about a, uh, a final fantasy uh, NFTs. Of course, square Enix, they're on that train. We're talking about uh, G4 uh, layoffs a little bit. The, the huge GTA six leak. Um, and also Pat, was slandered uh, by some uh, sealed collecting Cretan. And we'll get into that via a Carl Jobs video uh, that came out. Ian doing the eyebrow raise. You have a good weekend, Ian? Your I, had a, one? I had a great weekend. I uh, We got a chance to play D&D again on Sunday for the first time in what must have been months just because of all the stuff that's been going on with Bobby's mom. And then uh, surgeries on the side of the people, uh, you know, for, uh, some of the other folks we played D&D with had to have some surgery. So it's been tough to get together. And that was a really good time. Um, and then uh, the very next day, I got to watch the uh, Buffalo Bills absolutely decimate the Tennessee Titans, I got to tell you. Well, they were a top seed last year, the Titans. That's what Giants beat them, barely, but then they got destroyed by the Bills. I mean, the first week was what thirty-one ten over LA, and then forty-one seven. Wow! Against that's the a, Titans, that's what you call a shellacking. It was a shellacking. Well, you know, it's over like in the third quarter. Like, oh, this is easy. Yeah, uh, fucking Josh yeah. Allen was sitting, sitting, resting up, looking real pretty on the sidelines all the fourth quarter. There was absolutely no reason for that guy to be. They're bringing the, they're bringing the, the backup at that. Yeah, point? yeah, yeah. There was. Uh, he, he, I mean, the thing with Allen is, is he's 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 mobile. He's a mobile quarterback, and he's not like he's, a hoss. He's not weak, but he's you know like quarterbacks. He's a little bit slimmer, and you don't want that. You don't want your quarterback getting injured. Not that no. you don't want Josh Allen getting injured two games into the season. No, you take him. Out. When when you're um, you take him out with five minutes left, you're up by like thirty five points, or whatever. You don't yeah, leave him. In. There's just no, doesn't matter. Like like they do that in basketball when the Warriors are up by like twenty five points. Curry's not playing. They'll sit out the fourth quarter. It's like why even bother? Yeah, it's not worth the risk. Don't it's not worth pads, exhausting just, him. Whatever. Just let him let him be. So yeah, that was great. Uh, I'm looking forward to the game against the Dolphins this weekend. I don't remember you being this much into football. Uh, like this, this hype, like going out to watch games this early. Eh, you know, I was, right. I just decided. I'm not, not, not judge. I'm just I don't remember it. Um, I would say um, probably like ten years ago, I started paying attention to the Bills again, just like their season scores and stuff. About five years ago, I started really paying attention to like the scoreboard during games. Mm-hmm. And then last year, I started watching more games. So I just figured this year I'll go all in. And my Mets have clinched a playoff berth. So that means at least a wild card. Yeah. Haven't done that in six years, and they're neck and neck with the Braves for division lead. How many games like, left in the regular season? Like seventeen or so. Okay, so it's yeah. like like two weeks, a little over two weeks. Yeah, it goes. Um, this year it goes a little later. I think it goes to like into the first week of October, the end of the season. But now that they have the, this great new playoff system, where it's like two out of three rounds for the wild card, uh, for the two sets of teams. So it's it's a little bit longer now. The playoffs go into like the first week of like November. It goes a little bit later than used to, but it's great. The, the, the current system they have now for the baseball playoffs is absolute perfection, how they have it. Top two top two teams out of the three divisions get a bye, and you get uh, two wild cards. Uh, excuse me. You get 
three wild cards, three wild card teams, and the and the third division leader with the lowest record. Those four teams play each other. I believe two out of three, and then it goes to four teams left. It's like a brilliant system uh, to do it. Man, the Padres really fucking shit the bed. Oh yeah, the they, they, they they signed Soto, who did absolutely nothing. That was the big thing. Oh, the well, the Yankees, and he did nothing. See you, sportscast. They're back uh, twenty one and a half games from the Dodgers. Well, the Dodgers are the best. They're the best record by far. They, yeah. they think they have 10 more wins than the Mets, at least. Uh, yeah, 102 wins is crazy. Uh, uh, congratulations to our pal, Pixel Dan. Uh, yes. Victorious as Spencer Powers in his uh, title defense against Matt Cardona. It's a good name. Always ready, Matt Cardona. That's a pretty good uh, name. So so this was for... Uh, let's, let me get, I'm sure I get the title right here. Um, this was for the... Uh, P, uh, what, what was it? The PWA. A regional heavyweight championship. Regional heavyweight championship, which I believe uh, Spencer Powers won either earlier this year or last year. Defended the title. It was, it was a no DQ match, so there were there were foreign objects used. Yes, there were some chairs in, in play. Uh, including a certain Master of the Universe guidebook yes. came into play uh, here and there. It was fun. It was fun. Yeah, uh, it was a good time. He, he won via cutter. Uh, Spencer Powers cutter. Ah. Uh, that was that was how the victory was taken. Spoilers, so check it we out. We love a good cutter. Um, let's t- let's talk NFTs, shall we? I mean, let's do it. Uh, Final fan Square Enix. We talked about Square. It was, Square Enix was one of the main companies that was pushing this shit earlier in the year with statements. I think it was like late last year. Like, oh, we're going to lead into NFTs. People are like, why Square Enix? People are like, why? Like, why? Like, why? At the time, and they really like doubled down. I think remember. So it was really them yes. and Ubi- Ubisoft, the major. Game companies that really lean into Ubisoft it. didn't get an NFT. No, they we talked it. about last week. They were just uh, they were just exploring. Uh, they were just exploring. They were just making out with their friend at a party. Embarrassment. Fucking embarrassing. Ubisoft. Yep. Anyways, Square Enix uh, Final Fantasy VII uh, NFT toys are infuriating. The Final Fantasy's publisher's first big friend NFT suck, says James Whitbrook of uh, Gizmodo. So um, it's merchandise, starting with three Final Fantasy VII collectibles in the Bring Arts line of posable action figures. Um, but these ones attempt to directly translate the iconic concept design work by Tetsuya Nomura into 3D. And where are they? They look. Blah, 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 blah. Nice I'm look. trying to figure out if they come with the toy or if it's just an NFT of the toy. They come with a digital certificate. Of authenticity, ah, there it is. Okay. which is an NFT. The system requires collect requires collectors to sign up for a wallet with the engine E N J N engine blockchain network, uh, and there's even a digital plus version of each figure that you can get for an increased cost that lets you redeem an NFT for a 3D replica of the figure you just fucking bought in reality that's viewable in the real world through an augmented reality site. You so can't just buy the figures themselves. So, Both versions come with the NFT. So let's combine every fucking buzz tech thing of the last, what, five years, going back to, you know, like like uh, Pokemon uh, Go, uh, where it's, uh, oh, augmented reality, NFTs, we'll just throw it all together, and you spend extra money for this bullshit. Um, if you... This is what's bad. About it. If you buy the figure and simply choose not to register it for still all, exists. the token not only still exists for that figure, so you, you wasted energy created it, by the way, uh, you're also paying way more for nothing else. Each Final Fantasy, uh, what is that? Seven Bring Arts figure costs one hundred and thirty dollars, and they said typical releases before eighty five to hundred. So they put this bullshit extra money 
you're basically spending 40 bucks extra on an NFT that you may not want. Right. And if you don't uh, do anything with it, it still exists. So you're still supporting their NFT. It's fucking ridiculous. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's gross. I'm surprised that Squares... I, again, I still feel like this is a project that has probably been in place for six to nine months, and that's why they're shuffling this shit out, because they've already dumped the money into it, so they feel like they've got to go forward with it. But at some point, I mean, maybe it's just maybe it just Squares a bunch of fucking idiots. No, they doubled down, I remember, even yeah. back in the spring. And then uh, Starbucks is doing NFTs. You know, Starbucks did, has done a pretty good job staying out of, like, a hatred of people the past several years. No, it life. hasn't. I, mean, I, haven't, I haven't noticed. It's I mean, been huge with the uh, oh, union right. shit. I mean, they, it's been all over the news. Starbucks is vilified currently because he's oh. a union-busting piece of shit, and that's all that the news has been on them. Oh, okay. It has not been good for Starbucks this year. They, oh, they oh, look like shit. I haven't been looking eye. at that. I haven't been looking at that. But, okay, so they're doing NFTs. Yeah. A loyalty NFT program. And this clearly to me looks like what I had said before. This looks like something they put money into a year ago. And now they're like, well, we spent the money on it because it's all the same buzzwords from the early days of NFTs. It's like a unique and immersive coffee experience. Starbucks Odyssey is a loyalty program. Employees, uh, what employees can earn and purchase blockchain tokens as well, as well as employees. What the fuck? What? Each is designed to unlock digital, physical, and ex- experiential benefit? Tell me what an experiential d- benefit is, uh, Starbucks. Like, what? What? What are you going to like? Wh- experiential? I got to look that up again. Like, wh- that, does, that doesn't mean that's not reality. Experiential. Uh, uh, based on experience and observation. What, what does that mean? Well, that, that means absolutely nothing. Uh, okay. So that's just awful. I don't know. It's Starbucks. Sell your fucking coffee, Starbucks. It's a, it's a fucking punch card. It's a it's yeah. an overcomplicated punch card. You're already selling. You're already, already sell, selling a freaking uh, an espresso probably for like twenty dollars. So like, just get off it. It's ridiculous. Um, it's not that expensive, Pat. <laughs> it's it's garbage, but it's not the hyperbole. It's expensive to get coffee at Starbucks. Um, right? No. Space venture. I almost forgot this was a thing. We talked about this at least twice before. We did. But that was like, a uh, not a Castle Conjure. This was like eight years ago we talked about this game. Space Venture is a space adventure game from the two guys from Andromeda that worked on the original uh, four Space Quest games together. Then they split off and did uh, different things. Um, so they did this Kickstarter back pre-podcast, 2012. 2012 did this podcast. That's 10 years ago. And this is going to be a point-and-click adventure game like the original Space Quest games from the original team, in theory. And uh, they couldn't use Roger Wilco, obviously, from Space Quest. So uh, they got Ace Ace Hardaway, who's kind of like still like a handyman. Right. Not a, maybe not a custodian, but like a handyman. Uh, we covered a well, few of these well, He's updates. got a plunger thing, so he's still, you know, he's got like a toilet plunger he's thing. He's got the, he's the got a toilet, toilet snake. A little toilet snake. So it's supposed to be a humorous sci-fi thing, like funny deaths, like Space Quest. The issue is, I guess, development has been an absolute disaster um, on this. This was supposed to come out in 2013, uh, this game. And it's nine years later, and I think it finally limped to uh, limped to the finish line. I had no idea. I had not thought about this game in like five years. No, neither had I. I mean, the last time we covered it, it was, I think, an intro topic. Barely. Yeah. So it comes out, and it seems like a buggy mess. 
uh, from reports. Basically, they uh, uh, they launched it with a uh, walkthrough, a an incredibly detailed walkthrough. Probably because if you tried to do anything other than the main walkthrough path, you would start triggering off all sorts of bugs and, and problems that would crash. Or they, else the game was designed up that you can figure it out on your own, maybe? Well... Like miss, missing animations or missing... Uh, maybe missing cues or something, you know, like not know how to click on a well, certain... Well, yeah, what, all I'm getting at is they yeah. released the walk the walkthrough directly with the game because if you tried to play it without one, you were probably going to encounter an even more broken mess. Wow. Yeah. Um, uh, Pal Frank Cifaldi was talking about some of the issues with it. Um, you, uh, One person I saw on Twitter saying they couldn't save their game at all. Right. It's like, like there's like, even the game even tells you like saves don't really work. And one person said, I, c- I couldn't save a game at all. And this is a game where, well, you're going to have to save because, like, part of it is deaths and seeing funny animations and things right. like that. And it's 2022. You should be able to save a game. So, like, when I look at this, I, I look at people that got back into this that for another, from you know, from 30 years before, 25 years before, that got in over their heads. And maybe the, the world passed them by, or the technology did, or just the whole process of game design passed them by. Right. They just couldn't handle it. Because when you hear stuff like that, where like you can't save a game, it's like, what, what are they using to make the game? Like, are, are they not using something like a game maker or something in Unity where this stuff, a lot of this stuff is like, like baked into the core of it? And, and so it just seems like something that uh, just went off the rails and, and was either they, either they asked for too little money or they um, didn't spend it properly. That's what it is. They got over half a million dollars. Um, so you can say, well, for a big game, that's not a lot of money. For for a smaller indie game, that's enough money. Well, as Frank um, says, it's not enough money, you know, for a ten year development cycle. But that's and, the thing. And that's the thing. They they didn't. They, sh- yeah, they didn't scope out properly. It shouldn't have been a ten year game, though. No. That's the point. Those Space Quest games they made, they were pumping those out every year. Those games, every year and a half, there was a new Police Quest, or every year there's new Leaders to Larry. Like, this should not have been a 10-year game. You should have kept to the scope of the originals and just had bigger graphics, obviously, and better. Like, people just probably would be satisfied with a game that took two hours to play. This probably is not a game that takes 20 hours. You know, it's an adventure game. You take two hours, an hour and a half, you go through it. You you know, you figure out the puzzles and you go through it. So it's it's a shame uh, because, obviously, you have the people behind them. Uh, They got Gary Owens back to narrate. He's listed on the original Kickstarter. Yeah, he did Space Quest uh, 4 and 6. 5 was the weird one. 5 was weird. Because um, which one left for five of the two? Uh, so like they all did this. They all both they both worked on both up to four. Five, five was not uh, full voice like four was. So it was weird. But okay. then six was again. It was weird why how five wasn't. I never played six through six. I remember it crashing on DOS. Speaking of crashing, uh, six. But I did play five. I played through all the first five, obviously. So so I feel bad for the people that pledged this literally ten years ago. 10,800 backers and you have a buggy mess that who knows if it'll ever be fixed. They're probably just lucky that it came out at all. Um, yep, so, I think that's probably going to be the end of that. Um, talk about PSVR 2 real quick? Yeah, so PlayStation VR 2 is not going to have backwards compatibility for PSVR games. Um, 
I, you know, made a comment on Twitter earlier in the week that this was a really bad idea. And I realized that there are technical specifications that someone was trying to explain it to me. And I get it. There is something that makes sense there. And I think it's also partially because VR is a rapidly, uh, it, it's a young technology and it's changing fairly rapidly. So there are things that just, you know, with a more advanced headset may not be, um, able to be compatible with with older stuff. Either way, it doesn't really matter. It still looks really, really bad. I think. I wonder if if, if the, it's just it's it, it, there's no way to make that look good. I wonder if like eight years ago, when people thought that VR was going to take over the world in every way, when they saw this stuff happening, if they realized that, hey, we're going to sell a, a bunch of VR uh, headsets and people have to junk them after a certain amount of time because it progresses on like a game console, right? Except I cannot picture people wanting to go back and play old VR versus new VR. No. That's the difference. It's like I don't see – like people want to go back and play old games. Cause, but an immersive experience, I don't think you want to go back and play an older immersive experience in my head. I just think that would be weird. You want the newest and best. That's the whole point of VR, right? So that's unfortunate because these are not cheap, These these all these headsets. No, they're not. And that, uh, I think that's where it, VR is going to fall off. Everyone can enjoy it. I mean, I have a, a Quest 2. I like it every once mm -hmm. in a while. It's fun to use. But um, I think it's going to be harder to... Remember in like the late 80s, it was tough to get people to early on to kind of buy into the we need to upgrade to this new system. You know, going from the NES to the Super Nintendo, we've got is, Nintendo yeah. at home. Yeah. I, 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 that was surmounted. I don't know that it's going to be that easy of a sell to make VR a new thing that people are going to upgrade every few years. I could see a lot of people who got into VR right now being like, okay, that's enough. I'm not going to touch VR for the next decade or two. I don't need sure. to constantly buy a new headset every every three, every three years. years to keep up with it. Yeah. I had my fun, and I'll check it out later when it's you know even better than it is yeah, now. Yeah, it's, it's a pure luxury item. Yes. It's way more than a game console to me. It's more like, yeah, I have money to blow. I can check out a movie in VR or, or a game or VR. Porn is obviously big. Porn is always where the, the, the technology always goes. Porn is always the leader when it comes to technology. It's true. Porn pushes technology. Um, so, they always say porn didn't back beta. They backed VHS, which was part of why VHS succeeded. Just because it was cheaper. Yeah. That's it. It was inferior, but cheaper. And that's it. Um, so that's interesting. But yeah, I, I never thought about that looking years back. I'm like, oh, are people going to have to toss these headsets? Or is this the last thing? And it never crossed my mind. Man, that was a big, big... Uh, wow. I mean, we we knew it wasn't going to be a big thing. VR in terms of like penetration. But like, I don't... I, I think it still did worse than I thought it was going to do. I think it did a little uh, bit better than I thought it was going to do. Okay. I mean, just the fact that there's even the fact that it exists in this way at all is big. I mean, you I, I would have fallen off by now entirely. Yes. Yes. Okay. Or maybe it's still being, well, I guess you get a couple of big games out there. I can keep it going, but it, I guess it's a fractured, it's like a fractured gaming environment, I guess. That's what it comes down to. You know, it's not a fractured environment. Ultimate Nintendo.com. It's unified. You can get all of your amazing goods that you need uh, to live your life happily there. Uh, we have uh, pins. We have, uh, well, Pat has RBI baseball stickers. You can get Pat's books. Uh, you know, it's a great time. We got uh, some $10 blowout shirts. Oh, get your limited shirt. $10. Smalls only. Uh, get them now. Don't tell them that. We want to go to the site, shop for other stuff, and then discover that they, they don't fit in the shirts. You can still go and buy these sweet stickers. Uh, but, but, hey, if you have a small animal or pet or child, uh, you can force them to wear a limited shirt for $10. And we have the vinyl stickers, Ian. We have the nice stickers. You can put on a laptop or a water bottle, any hard service. Dude, my favorite's the Danny Approved still. 
and then the see pocket and we have the franken franken pat stickers as well there franken beans at ultimate uh i'm on cameo cameo.com slash pat country i'm i've getting about one a week the past few weeks it's a it's a thing again uh so check it out for all your well-wishing needs then i'll be on twitch wednesday twitch.tv uh slash country code we will both be at the portland retro gaming expo october is that 15th the middle of october uh the, the 15th and 16th in beautiful portland oregon the most uh strip clubs per capita according to Ian yeah. during the exclusive CU podcast we talked about talk about strip clubs we're talking about strip clubs or, ooh, like the Howard uh, Stern short talking about strip clubs uh, at patreon.com slash CU podcast uh, and then I'll be at Retrovalooza also the week after the 22nd and 23rd in Arlington Texas uh, as well so I'm busy in October for that for those uh, James Cameron explain why 3D TVs failed because they sucked thanks James uh, because they try to push the technology back in 2009-10. And I was there. I went to CES 2010. CES 2010, 3D TVs was the, this is the big technology this year that they're showing off. Every booth. It, that was another uh, world looking back. That's like basically pre, pre-Twitter blowing up, uh, pre-Netflix streaming just about, or back when the server started getting started. A lot different 12 years ago, the world. Um, so 3D TVs, they try to push where you'd have to wear glasses, like in the movie theater, because Avatar had just come out. 3D uh, movies were big again. It was a gimmick to get people to watch, uh, to pay more money. That was the thing. Pay like $5 more per ticket. Right. To, to, and, and people were doing it. I, I, I think I watched fucking Iron Man 2 with 3D glasses because we couldn't, there wasn't, they were, oh, most of the screenings were 3D. There was a time yeah. where they, now it's like the opposite. Now it's like you get like one or two, one maybe for a big movie. It used to be like, oh, most are 3D and a couple are not 3D. So they try to push 3D TVs, but they were super dumb expensive. They're like two to three grand for a TV, and they sucked because you had to like wear the glasses from a certain distance away. And depending on how good the 3D TVs were, um, they were less immersive than others. And people had just upgraded within the past few years to their first HD TVs that were uh, you know LCDs even before LEDs. So if I just spent fifteen hundred dollars on a TV. I'm not going to spend two thousand on, on another TV. I'm, I'm not going to do it. So it never caught on. I knew it wasn't going to c- uh, catch on, and that's basically what James Cameron should have, sh- uh, should have said, but probably didn't in the article. Um, so yeah, I was just looking. There was the. I remember there being the PlayStation branded 3D TV that came out. It was only like 24 inches, and it was, I believe, supposed to be like a cheaper, uh, a cheaper entry point into the. Um, into the 3D TV market, but these are still like everywhere for 500 bucks, no 600 bucks. No one wants them. No, no one wants to touch these. There's going to be fucking 3D TV displays or, you know, overstock forever. Uh, and I mean, just to show you how far back this goes, we're on the PlayStation 5 now. These were primarily marketed to PlayStation 3 owners. Yeah, we're talking like 2009, 10. Yeah, it's crazy. 11. Um, he said that, yeah, the cost for the glasses, the manufacturer's glasses, because they were special glasses. They weren't the ones you got in the movie theater. Um, and the additional cost required uh, got out of out of step with the market. Man, there was no market demand. I mean, yeah, none. I've never met a person with a 3D TV or known someone with a 3D TV in my life. Yeah. Haven't, haven't. Nope. Um, G4 uh, is, is might be a little bit of trouble. Uh, the beleaguered uh, channel came back earlier in the year. They're on cable networks. I think Comcast owns them, so they're on some cable networks. They have a Twitch channel and they have a YouTube channel. They came back. I, I think it was February. Um, and they're already uh, in trouble. There's a lot of layoffs. Uh, let's see. 
This is from Ethan Gock. 20 to 30 Gawk. staff members were laid off at G4 TV, which I think they said makes up like 15 to 20% of who was there. I can't find the actual percentage now. But either way, it's not a great look for something that just came back uh, not even a year ago. And, uh, you know, no ill will to, you know, G4 TV. But we said at the time this didn't strike us as a particularly... Great idea. I just don't know where the market is for this. Speaking of 12 years ago, that's probably when, like, probably the full demand would have ended because now you're transitioning into YouTube stuff more from yeah. from getting your news and entertainment video game content. 2000s versus 2010s is like an entirely different world technologically. Entirely different world. Uh, you go from having flip phones and having, again, being forced to watch content maybe on a TV to get all the latest news. And now it's like, well, even game trailers and game trailers was big. I can get my get my my trailers on there and my in my gameplay videos and game trailers and then YouTube and then companies figured out, video game companies figured out, I don't have to go through uh, news media. I can release the information myself. I can have my own YouTube channel. I can do that. And so like things started to shift in the in the early 2010s. By the mid 2010s, we're like, okay. We saw the end of the line for E3 several years back. We're like, this is going to end. It's just, when is it going to end? Right. Um, so G4 is part of that old style of media when it comes to that. Like a fully produced show with video game news, you know, once a day. That's not how we digest information the same way with, with news. It used to be you come home from work, you watch the whatever, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 6 o'clock news, right? Now you get news instantly on your phone. You find out things when they happen 20 seconds after they happen. And I don't think you can ever rewind that experience. And the culture has moved on. And the demographics has moved on. Because people that watched G4 when they were on TV were like in their 20s, you know, yeah, 15 years ago. And now we're older. And the, young, the youngsters that you need to watch it are not even watching TV. They're watching their, their laptop or PC screens and their phones and will probably never, ever have a traditional cable uh, no, the core they, they, they won't. Insane. I mean, it's uh, just the the for a TV channel to subscribe, you have to have people who are in that TV watching mentality. It's not a thing anymore. People don't understand how we used to get home and just flip a TV on and watch and flip channels until we found something we liked. It doesn't exist. Yeah. Frank said that there's, there's so many cord cutters. If you look at the demographics, it's obviously everyone that owns cable now is like you know probably like fifty or older, like for the vast majority. Yeah. Um, he said. To keep him, to get him to stay without even like him saying it, they gave him the NFL ticket package for free. Like, this is a package that usually costs what fifty dollars, sixty, a hundred dollars, whatever it is. They gave it to him for free. He can watch any game like for free because they're afraid of more people leaving. It's it's not long for this world, obviously traditional cable. Right. So th this is un unfortunate. One employee says, "I truly cannot imagine the company continuing to produce our slate of content without the people we lost today." The timing and severity of the cuts took staff by surprise, with talent showing up on set ready to film. Only to have programming canceled as HR reps met individuals with employees. Come on, you got to do this stuff better. Yeah, I, I this always is. I'm not shocked by this, but you have to know this stuff is coming. They don't make the decisions in like a day and be like, "Oh, Ian, we're firing 25 people tomorrow." They know it's coming. Right? They know it's coming weeks ahead of time. Um, <sighs> yeah. In addition to that, Fanbyte was also hit with a bunch of layoffs. Um, I think they're actually just shutting down. I think they might just be shutting down the whole site. 
And I hate the fact that I can't remember everyone else that experienced it. There was another video game site yesterday that had a bunch of layoffs. And there another was something one. else uh, last week, too. And honestly, it, it's just it's a it looks like a sad time for video game, you know, reporting, journalism and coverage. But at the same point in time, uh, you know, I think it's just kind of there's obviously there's explosions of content. And then uh-huh. I think I don't want to use the term correct, but it, it kind of corrects itself. Maybe we don't. You know, you try things and they don't work, but I, I it doesn't look good for the print at like the, the print media doesn't look great either. Like, print ex- web. The, yeah, the print web. Sure. They're experiencing a lot of layoffs as well. And it's just kind of, I feel bad. It's it's scary for anyone who's uh, into games writing right now. And, uh, you know, I hope all these people can land on their feet. Sure. There was a large leak. Over the weekend, uh, some are calling it maybe the biggest leak of video game information ever. Running those. Uh, and perhaps one of the most important. Uh, Rockstar uh, had tons and tons of um, Grand Theft Auto 6 uh, videos um, leaked, showing things in various states of completion, uh, from simple animation tests to, you know, uh, segments of the game being played out, probably tested out. And they have, I mean, it's just, it's it's unprecedented the amount of information this person has. I think it was like an hour total. Is it an hour or 10 minutes? What is it? Is it an hour total? Oh, it's like an hour. I, I, yeah, it was a while. Yeah, because I saw a few videos alone that were probably five minutes total. Um, I'd have to go back to the previous article to find out for sure. But Rockstar issued a statement. We recently suffered a network intrusion in which an unauthorized third party illegally accessed and downloaded confidential information from our systems, including early development footage for the next Grand Theft Auto. So they came out and it, it, you know, said, yeah, this is legit. At this time, we do not anticipate any disruption to our live game services, nor any long-term effect on the development of our ongoing projects. We are extremely disappointed to have any details of our next game shared with you all in this way. Our work on the next Grand Theft Auto game will continue as planned, and we remain as committed as ever to delivering an experience to you, our players, that truly exceeds your expectations. So there's probably like a hacker got in and from from, um, someone we know in the biz a little bit told me that it was they're likely quote unquote dailies like this is the stuff you work on you show proof of concept for stuff like oh pushing an item or opening door like just simple just show that it works this is how it looks for someone to say okay this is the direction we want to go in um looking at it though obviously the, the graphically it looks amazing for what they have so far and sure. we're still and we're still years out but some people are like oh it looks like garbage i don't know what they're looking at so oh, it looks like it's from 10 years ago no no it doesn't i don't know what you're talking about and then the big thing uh, that it looks like uh, our pal Yoshi said what what looks like they've they've done, which is big, is something called animation linking, um, which is linking different animations together sure. to, in, in in real time, flowing naturally. And he said that's what looks like it's a significant jump up uh, for something, even like the, the character stopping and, and coming to a stop gradually, stuff like that, like more naturally, things like that, turning things. Uh, he, I think he said he noticed something where like. The, the the character was like crouching along and crouch walking and then like automatically pushing objects out of the way like with their hand stuff like that where it's like this is a, a little leap up sure in terms of stuff like that um i don't know if it was an hour the the, the original article says that they dumped nearly 100 videos online i mean if each video was even a, a minute each that's over yeah it's over an hour I, I saw a diner video that was a few minutes they're doing a robbery at a diner 
which was like interesting because like you yeah. walk in the diner and then like you're interacting with, with people, then the cops come. So, yeah, a hundred a hundred videos. I, that's just oh, crazy. Is, yeah, it's probably the biggest leak. Someone got someone got in some sort of some sort of back door and lifted out this stuff. And and I feel bad because like you don't want people to see the early work. Like you don't because you get people like the Sonic game where it's like you don't want people to see this shit. What a bad idea that was. That was yeah. an awful idea. Um. So yeah, and this game is going to come out for what three years, something like that. Two, three years at least. So these games take a ton of time. There's so much that goes into these games. These, these, that's why you only get one every several years. No, it's interesting. Uh, and then uh, finally, uh, uh, there's a. Pre- this is pretty significant. This is this is a, a big YouTube channel slash outlet. Uh, PC Games in Germany, PCGames.de did a. I mean, big article about the Intellivision Amico. Um, I just, you can you can uh, you can find it and then you can translate with Google Translate, which is Google Translate's amazing how quickly it does it. You go like click to English and it's 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 readable in English, and uh, I mean goes through every step of what's been going on in this project. Why is that? Yeah, it's incredibly in depth. Uh, it's significant because it's the German media, German media, and German taxpayer monies uh, basically flow to this fucking system, especially the uh, the games and and the. So uh, it's it's place of origin. It's true place of origin is is getting wise to the bullshit. Yeah, and talking yeah. about it. Yeah, the marketing started. It seems the marketing. The, mar- the marketing has finally started. Yes, it has. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to eighty percent less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Uh, Ian. Yeah. Spoke last week about uh, an Atari game that I was involved with trying to preserve Mm -hmm. uh, via Half-Life books, it being turned in. Uh, A little follow-up to that. Uh, before we get into the other Atari part of this to- topic, um, after the coverage came out, um, there was a tweet from someone else, Atari Soft, uh, who I guess is a someone big in the Atari game community, who tweeted that they were contacted about the, the prototype Intuition card August of last year, August of two thousand and twenty-one. They were contacted, and you'd ask, well, wh- why were they contacted? Well, likely. That individual, Atarisoft, had done a little blurb on Twitter a few years back talking about intuition and how there wasn't that much information. So it sounds like Half-Life Books searched for all the information, came across them and said, well, you're an Atari person. You know, we, we should talk to you about it. And so that individual attempted to purchase the cart, then offered to have the ROM dumped and, like, drive to the store and do it. And they said, no, we're going to put up for auction. They plan to put up for auction in January this year of August of last year. So they planned this like several month, I guess, campaign in order to either build up interest or hype. I don't understand why you would take several months for an Atari prototype unless unless they, they want to do what they want to do. So that's when they contacted me in January. To, to, they wanted me to probably come on the podcast with you and talk about it to drum up interest in that auction. Sure. Uh, then obviously then it turned into a weird sale where it was sold within hours. And I, so I put out a little Twitter uh, thread and we saw that just detailing all the information about the process and what happened. Cause it got fishier the more 
I heard about it, especially since they contacted this individual, uh, Atari, Atari, so not Atari Soft, Atari Spot. Atari Soft was Atari Soft was the Atari company putting out stuff on like other consoles, right, right, in the early eighties. Sorry, Atari Spot. I'm sorry for, for screwing that up. It's okay. So, so it's a weird story. Uh, by and large, the good news is that I mean the person that purchases is is well aware of the people that can preserve this. There's there's hints about the, the individual who. Uh, who bought this, who they may potentially be. So hopefully, you know, hopefully they say, you know, I'll just let someone uh, dump the ROM. And it doesn't even mean that the ROM has to be publicly released. It just means it's digitally preserved somewhere. Sure. If all else fails. That's what preservation is. It doesn't necessarily mean everyone gets to play it. It's just that it's safe somewhere. So it's a, it's crappy, but at least we know that the game exists. We know more about it. That's how I end up. It's crappy. We know it exists. We kind of know how it's supposed to function in theory. Um, and yeah, it's just, uh, it's just, uh, it's just unfortunate. I will say this though, there were people that got, got after me for saying, "Oh, Pat, you're being melodramatic. Why? Why would you expect them to tell you about the what was going on?" Because that's what they said to me. People out there, they said, "We'll let you know when we have plans and what those plans are going to be." That's what they said to me. So I like to take people at their word, you know, when they're when they're talking to me about this and coming to me and wanting to talk to me on the phone uh, for advice and, and insight and stuff. Like that's what they said to me. Ian. They said, "We're going to let you know." And they did, and then it was it was basically uh, they dropped and a Labor Day weekend on a Saturday with no forewarning to anyone. So it stinks. They might have known the person was going to purchase. It. I'm not saying for sure, but it's it's a weird coincidence that it sold that quickly when no one supposedly knew about it, or not that many people did. Sure. So, um, speaking of Atari. Have you played Atari today, Ian? Atari well, today. you can't with these carts. Yeah, you can't. Uh, so the new Atari cartridges that we talked about um, that they were putting up, and I, we talked about how they were incredibly overpriced. Um, you had what? You had uh, Adventure. There was Adventure. There Aqua was Venture. Uh, Aqua Venture. There was, I think they did. Yars one, Revenge. They did one of the Yars ones. Uh, or the, the, yeah. And uh, these games... <laughs> Uh, they're being sent out with the PCBs backwards. This is from John Hancock, our pal John Hancock, um, who's a big, obviously big game collector, and did an unboxing and said, well, here's the problem. Plug it into an Atari and uh, it won't work. So the, these, uh, we talked about this before, how they really mangled the marketing of this. Remember when they... They originally started when they. Sw- I couldn't tell if the cart was for sale for a certain price versus the box. They like oh, switched. just bad website design. Bad just bad website, website design. They like yeah. s- might have swapped um, a couple of the full price item versus the cart. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. tell if you just got the cart or not. Yep, it was bad. Then they falsely uh, claimed association with Howard Scott Warshaw. Yep, and Howard's like, I haven't been contacted by this at all. Yeah, I'm not. I have and nothing to do with this. They put his name on a game he didn't work on. Yep. On top of it, I think it was the it might have been the uh the Yars Revenge remake or newer version. Yeah, it was it uh, was Yars uh yes. Whatever. Not it's not Revenge. It's Yar, Yar, Yars Return or something. Yeah, like he that. had nothing to do with that. And he didn't uh, have anything to do with I think it was Aqua Venture was another one. Correct. It looks like they were just copy pasting templates and not changing all the stuff it, over. It just shows you the lack of care that's gone into some of Atari's ventures going back to their VCS system where it's like, well, what is this? And it will be like two years behind coming out to their credit. They put they put out a console that's, that's collecting dust everywhere. It's, uh, you know, too much dust for Ian to slap something on. So, so John said, Oh yeah, uh, you can't play the game. So 
the fix to John is, well, you have to take the blow dryer and you have to take off, uh, take off the labels so you can unscrew the damn fucking thing and get that thing open. Like an old car, you unscrew it and unscrew it. And then the PCB has to be turned and inserted and slid in the other way, the opposite way to do it. That's the quote fix for the carts. And it's like, when you have all these uh, errors along the marketing, associating with the person that had nothing to do with it, it really shows you how these, at least some people at the company don't care. They don't have the care and attention to detail when it comes to this stuff. Like when we, when we see good news, like uh, putting out the, the 50th anniversary collection, digital clips, like that's, a, that's good. That, they, they did it. It looks like a good job with that. This is a disaster. Yeah, from from the price to what you get with it for the price to uh, the mangled marketing and being unclear to d- having associated with Howard Schwartz. Scott Warshaw doesn't exist on the site where he has to come out and say that this uh, to this to putting out cartridges that don't work out of the box. It's a fucking disaster. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it it, it 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 just to me it shows how cynical this all is. This isn't about this isn't this isn't about you know honoring or remembering you know these these great video games of the past it's not about preservation or anything like that this is literally just a fucking naked cash grab uh from marketing assholes who know they can wring your nostalgia for all it's worth yeah that's why they got away with the prices they did that's why they charged the prices they did that's why you got cartridges that were put together backwards they don't give a single fuck about you and this is just something that like you need to hammer home about this stuff advertising in general a lot is it goes into what we said about the amico you think these people are your friends or they're they're part of the club and they're doing this for the great of everyone no no it's money they want your money they want your money they want it any uh, way they can get it and they don't give a shit you're going to get a subpar product every time. I didn't know they had more ones out. Uh, if you want $100 for a, a Warlords uh, cart that comes with a stand. I don't. Or a Super Breakout for $100. No, uh, not necessarily. The Adventure one's $100, which they're limited edition. You get uh, the man, you get a, a little uh, you get a little patch, and you get a little pin. You get a cartridge holder, it looks like. Uh, remember, these were more money before. Yeah, remember the, the limited uh, yards was 150 then they realized we can't sell for that anymore. But you know what? Fuck me. They, according to the website, they sold out. So fuck me. I don't know what we're, you know. People are going to buy this, and that's the reason why this sloppiness will continue. Because people will buy it. People will, will put down pre-orders for a console just to try to remember how they felt playing a console in 1981. I'll put down a hundred dollar pre-order because I want to feel like that again. Even though the people behind it, like you said, don't fucking give a shit. They don't give they, a, a single goddamn. They don't care. They have no, um, they, yeah, nothing. Yar, yeah. So they have, let's say, Yars Revenge, uh, re, excuse me, Yars Return, not Yars Revenge, Return, which was like the homebrew one done after. Saboteur, that's when we talked about, I think, as well. Aqua Venture. Uh, then they did a Missile Command one. Um, they did an Adventure 50th anniversary, and then Warlords and Super Breakout. Already starting to scrape the bottom of the barrel for releases when you're doing Super Breakout. You're really starting to, and Warlords. I mean, it's they're fine games, but like these are like, com, they were common Atari games at the time that no one is going to be like, oh my god, I I, I really got to play the Atari Twenty Six Hundred Super Breakout on a new car. Like no one's saying that. I mean, I'm really even scratching my head of the collector appeal of buying a Super Breakout cart. 
I, I am. No, I, me too. I mean, I'm something just, like Adventure, which is... Or Missile Command, even. Somewhat notable. Yeah, Missile Command, to me, is a lot notable. It's like, okay, the cart's a little different and cute. I wouldn't pay 100 bucks for it. But at least I can see that. But once you're starting to already get to Super Breakout and Warlords, uh, I think you're done. I think you're done. Yeah. You got your adventure. You got your, excuse me, your Yars Return. Um, and you got your uh, Missile Command. Like, that's, you're already running out of steam at that point mm-hmm. when it comes to it. Uh, what's left? Yeah, you're going to do uh, Centipede? you going to do Centipede? I like Centipede. You like Centipede. Would you buy a $100 cart? Absolutely not, because it's a shitty version of the game anyway. But that's but... the thing. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So, yeah, these, these these new ones come with, it looks like a little holder, plastic holder. And on the top, it says the name of the game on top. Um, are these playable, these games? Yes, newly, newly manufactured. I think, I think uh, John reported that they would offer to replace the carts that are fucked up. So How nice good. of them. Um, but, I mean, it, there was absolutely no... The, 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 I guess these were... The, 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 not to the, the, the harp on it. No one was, like, testing a few of these along the way after they were produced and pop... They didn't have a system to pop it in to say, does it, does it power up? No one did that? No one did that. No one, no one did that. Because if they had, they wouldn't be produced like that. Right. Oh, my God. They just don't care. They do not care. Um, so, yeah. Don't buy this shit. Don't. Don't buy this shit until uh, these companies show that they care about things like that. Go go buy the, if you want to buy the fiftieth anniversary digital clips thing that's gonna come out like that. Yeah, okay. It looks like a quality product. It's a new yeah. it's a new software package. This stuff where you're dredging up the past from, from literally now uh, forty five years ago, the VCS came out forty five years ago. I think at some point you just gotta you gotta just accept reality. But whatever. I got a bunch of dust steel games on my wall, so maybe I haven't accepted reality yet, have I? I don't know. <laughs> you think so? I don't know. If I, if, I, if I come a little closer to reality? Yeah, you're getting there. I'm, I'm not buying the way I used to. Yeah, I don't know. I'm you're not slow, you're slowed down. I've slowed down a lot slowed, my old age. Slowed, 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 slowed down. You okay? <laughs> yeah, just had a little brain. Yeah. If you're a small business owner, you know how important it is to be ready for the insane holiday season. If you haven't started preparing for the chaos of holiday mailing and shipping, you're already falling behind. Luckily, Stamps.com has everything you need to make your life a whole lot easier. It's a 24-7 post office that you can access from anywhere. No lines, no traffic, no hassle. Stamps.com is your one-stop shop for all your shipping and mailing needs. For more than 20 years, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses. You get access to the USPS and UPS services you need to run your business right from your computer. With inflation on the rise, every dollar counts. Protect your margins with major discounts on USPS and UPS rates up to 86% off. It's a stress-free solution for every small business. Use stamps.com to print postage wherever you do business. All you need is a computer and printer. If you need a package pickup, you can easily schedule it through your stamps.com dashboard. Rates are constantly changing with stamps.com's switch and save feature. You can easily compare carriers and rates so you know you're getting the best deal every time. And if you're running an online store, stamps.com works seamlessly with all the major shopping carts and marketplaces. Get ahead of the holiday chaos this year. Get started with stamps.com today. Sign up with promo code CU Podcast for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long no long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code CU Podcast. 
This portion of the CU podcast is brought to you by Monk Pack. Monk Pack offers low sugar, keto friendly bars, which are plant based, gluten free, and non GMO. They're the perfect snack for anyone who's trying to eat better or cut back on sugar and carbs without sacrificing taste. Monk Pack keto granola bars and nut and seed bars contain one gram of sugar, two to three grams of net carbs, and each bar contains about 150 calories. Monk Pack bars have an amazing chewy texture and come in delicious flavors like sea salt dark chocolate and caramel sea salt. Plus, they just launched two new decadent flavors, which are quickly becoming favorites. They've got peanut butter cocoa chip and dark chocolate cocoa. And frankly, my favorite right here is the coconut cocoa chip. I love these. I almost always have these between like the podcast and going to my normal job. They're perfect for like just keeping me satiated in the middle of the day they're perfect for a quick breakfast a snack between zoom calls or as a guilt-free indulgent dessert and by shopping online you can avoid another trip to the grocery store and have monk pack delivered right to you these bars are not just for people eating keto either they're a great snack for anyone looking to reduce their sugar intake while still enjoying delicious flavorful snacks they contain real ingredients that are delicious and nutritious for your whole family And in addition to being keto-friendly, the bars are also gluten-free, plant-based, and non-GMO, with no sugar, alcohol, soy, or artificial colors. Get 20% off your first purchase of any Monk Pack product by visiting MonkPack.com and using our code CUPODCAST at checkout, or simply click the link in the description below to get 20% off. Monk Pack is so confident in their product that it's back with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll exchange the product or refund your money, whichever you prefer. So grab yourself some yummy, delicious Monk Pack bars. Ian. Patrick. Uh, pal of the show, Carl Jobs, um, came out with a video in the past uh, three to four days discussing a video that had come out that I forgot. I, for, oh, I forgot that I forgot about this video in terms of the scope of it. I, 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 I known that Carl wanted to respond to this, uh, a collector named YouTube channel named mad dog collection put out a very well edited, like slickly produced video uh, several months back. back. I'll, give, I'll give it that. Sure. Yeah. Very. Uh, slick produce like there's a production value in this video basically calling carl jobs to task and me a little bit which we'll get into about our opinions on the wada games and the sealed video game market in general uh due to carl's excellent coverage and our coverage in the past of the collusion between people involved with heritage auctions and wada games the, the weird pawn stars appearance and stuff like that that carl had put out the video last um september a year ago and it got like a million views. Like it blew up. And I don't think he was expecting that. I had a feeling it was going to do well. Uh, but Carl had never done a video like that before. Carl you know, was into more like speedrunning stuff. And, sure. And Billy Mitchell Converse of that. Not retro video games. But he's a collector. He's into it. Um, so he thought it was interesting to do it. So this person did a video that either... This person's video, Mad Dog Collection, did a video in response that was um, full of lies distortions or just cutting up edits to make people say things they didn't really say that's a lot of straw man attacks that's 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 my big takeaway it's a lot of straw man stuff uh yeah and he did this video as a desperate response uh to people like ian and me and sean from reserve investments and carl who said hey Let's take a step back and look at what's happening in this market and these astronomical 10,000% increases in prices happening in a year. Something seems weird. Something seems weird here. And the result of that is you had pushback from people. 
like this Mad Dog collection. Why is, what's with people putting Mad in their names coming after me? Mad Max fucking movies or whatever the fuck in this Doctor Doom mass Mad Dog collection. Um, so I've had people attack me in videos like this. In my comments, people attack me. In person, people attack me that have a lot of money tied up into this. These are not you don't get that angry unless you have money to lose. That's always what I come back to me. You're not gonna you're not gonna come up to me and, and yell at my face in person at PRG 2019 unless you have a lot of money on the line, Danielle. Um, so that's what it comes down to. They feel at risk because they know what's happening. They they know. Yeah, it's this is not this is not an organic response. No. It's not like, well, this is why I disagree with Carl, and this is my experience. This is this is a desperate plea. So going into Carl's video, we're gonna play some clips here and there. Uh this is this is the first one. I'll I'll try to put some on the TV screen, but at least you can listen to it here because I, I have I have some of this tough time coded. This first one it, are investors talking openly uh, about about um, why they got into it because on the surface in all these uh, articles they say I wanted to relive my youth nostalgia. They would say this stuff publicly in these articles, but behind the scenes. Uh, they would say stuff like, let's see, let's see where I got it right here. This is at seven minutes in, I believe. Um, they would interview each other. Here's uh, here's Nerdy Girl comments, Comics. This is Danielle. This is the individual that yelled at me in person about this. So let's let's get let's get the let's get it right here. To games and heritage auctions, flooding the market with hype, and very wealthy people, especially those from the comic, coin, and card markets, buying games because they wanted to make money. And this isn't just a hunch. The wealthy people who do spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on a game literally admit that it's to make money. This is a little different than a collectability piece. Obviously, you can collect it, um, but we bought this as an investment play. Um, yeah. And I, I think it's justified. Um, this will be over a million dollars someday. I, you heard me say it. I'll say it a hundred times over. This should have gone. Like, have I'm ecstatic. These are the people that attack you. Yes. Because it's Pure, money tied up. Un unadulterated greed. They're saying it with their own words here. We are not crazy when we say this, that they come from other, like, uh, they come from the card world or comics because I've talked to these people and they say this to me and you see them at Comic-Con selling their comics. Well, it's evident also in the fact that, I mean, we, we've talked about it before, but you, you notice they come from other markets because they immediately start buying stuff that is related, maybe not the most rare or important to video games, but stuff that they recognize from other markets too. It's why it's why you saw so many sealed fucking Spider Man Atari yes. twenty six hundred games because they're correlating with their thoughts about comics. But they yeah, what but, they know from mark from comics or toys with video games. But collectors like us, it doesn't add up. Players like us know that has not how video game collecting works at all. It hasn't historically. Um, other stuff in here, uh, like like uh, the bubble was not caused by nostalgia. Uh, the bubble was caused by was caused by uh, people getting to an organic market and spending too much money uh, and now realizing that uh, this is a small, small pool of people 
uh, I'm saying this, a very small pool of people. Well, I, I mean, I disagree a little bit there. I do uh, think nostalgia is a huge part of it. I mean, it's it's why people are attracted to stuff like toys, comics, and video games. Nostalgia definitely adds to that. And when you're stuck inside a house, you are going to think about stuff that you used to have fun with. I'm not saying it's why the no. market's there, but it absolutely in, in, in is why it got popular enough to be viewed as this. No, I mean about these specific people that are spending... 10, 20, oh, they're not 30, in it 40, for nostalgia. 50, no, it's not nostalgia for them. That's the bubble. Or or it's uh, tangentially related to why. It's something that they recognize enough to be like, okay, I can grab onto that. Sure. But that's not nostalgia. Like, no one had a nostalgia for, oh, I bought a game and kept it un, uh, you know, unopened on my shelf. Like, that to me would be like, that's the nostalgia that you would be trying to associate with it. Um, this person, Mad Dog, said that Carl was trying to disc- discredit positive news articles those news articles were fluff pieces and, and, if, and if i didn't know any better i'm not saying they were they came off as uh as ads like paid ads some of those um they were super positive 95 percent of those articles there was i think only one that might have had questionable like uh, had like a comment from sean saying well this is why i think this is could be a little weird but most of them were, were just like pie in the sky well this is the new this is the new thing this is we got to just run with it you know, get in early, you know, new, the new gold rush. And so um, it's not discrediting positive news articles when you talk about counterpoints or presenting com- uh, other evidence. So that, that was just ridiculous. Uh, Mad Dog said, I had never heard of Carl Jobs. Doesn't mean th- this is so weird for people to say these things. Uh, Carl put a ton of time and effort into that, that video back in September. Um and, and in linking some some dots that were there, and, and some was obviously clear and evident from our coverage, but there was a, a, other things he put in there. Um, the the video wouldn't have resonated if Carl didn't do his homework. It's it's if someone just did a video, and p- people's uh, people have like bullshit meters, they know oh, this doesn't make any sense. It would never have gotten as far as it did. That's ridiculous uh, to have that argument. Uh, Tack Carl for being sponsored. Entertainment requires people to help you a little bit, support you along the way. Um, and people have come after us for that. Oh, like, yeah, oh not, my God. It, it happened uh, more in the past with the e-beggar shit. I think uh, people now realize that money goes in, product comes out. And like sure. you need to be funded to create. You don't need to be funded to create, but you can't just do this shit for free forever. But Carl pointed out that his WADA video wasn't even sponsored. He right. thought it was so important that he wanted this to be on its own without people like this man dog people potentially coming after him uh, on it. And then, you know, he's trying to show, he's saying, you know, Carl has a motive because his sponsor, well, this, this, um, what's, how can I put this, Conway? This slime ball is trying to tell you how awesome everything is with a, with a wall of sealed games and VHS, VHS tapes VHS, behind. Yeah. Because they're getting to that, trying to push that market. Right. So they're trying to tell you that, okay, don't listen to this person who's put in all this uh, research, connected the dots. Listen to me, who has a lot of money to lose on this if it goes Correct. wrong. Correct. Correct. Carl has no skin in the game when it comes to it. We have no skin in the game when it comes to it. And when I talk to these, when I talk to almost every single person that is so positive about this, they have skin in the game. They're, they're into it. Sure. Um, it, it's just it's the same thing with something like NFTs. Do you ever meet someone that's super positive about NFTs that doesn't own NFTs? No, and you're not going to. 
because because it's baked into the experience, which I'll get into uh, a little bit. Um, and then they said, uh, let's see, this is a good one. This is a, I'll put this one real quick. I'll play this one right here. This cut. But the video was well-produced and effective enough that even news sites saw the commercial potential in covering such a story. And the people gobbled it up. Hello. <laughs> Not the actual collectors, mind you. People that have been collecting for more than, say, a year. This is the this this is such a lie about about this about how people didn't care about this. This got so much traction because people cared about this. This is an insane argument to say that people didn't care about this. Why would it get a million views in like weeks if people didn't care? Sure. Why would it get shared? Like it's nuts. And to say that people that collectors who were into more a year didn't care about it, uh, we've been collecting for like quarter of a century. Other people that you go to the shows that talk about this stuff have been collecting for years and years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, or several years. That, it doesn't even make any sense to say that. So he's trying to say that um, the, if you're a collector in it for a year, less than a year, does that mean you're automatically a sealed collector? And therefore, you know, it doesn't make any – it's garbage. It's gibberish. Did you even make out what the, what he was even trying to say? No, it didn't make any sense to me. It's it's It doesn't make any sense. A lot of it didn't make sense. Um. Uh, then this is the best thing he said. He, he brought up how Carl was talking about the, the how weird the Pawn Stars thing was, and how we said originally on that appearance with Dennis with the super with a hundred thousand dollars Super Mario Brothers uh, that they're trying to get a million for that we thought it was unethical for Dennis, who's, who's owning the grading company, to talk about the price potential price. And then Carl brought that up in his video, and this this individual man that said it didn't happen had the balls to say it never happened. Go watch for yourself. And in the video, you can literally watch for yourself. Dennis says, "Well, you know, uh, there's you know, sale for three hundred thousand was turned down, so it it's only up from there." These people try; they are so shameless because money's on the line. Yeah, they will sink to any depths in order to like don't believe your lying eyes. It's like like who's? It's ridiculous. Um, you're gonna like this. You're gonna like this next one. Here, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna put this one up on the screen. Let's go put this up on the screen here. Uh, I'm gonna start. Doing I mean, I watched this. So, which are you telling the audience they're gonna like this next one? Uh, I'll put up on the screen. More. And what's with this toxic mob mentality going on in America right now? We used to champion our heroes, young guys like Dennis that put it all on the line to pursue their lifelong passion. To start a company at age 25 that gets bought out by hedge fund billionaire Steve Cohen within three years. Okay. This bothered me for a, 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 a lot, this thing, because you're thinking that we're just going. It's a gross emotional appeal. Uh, yes. And we're, we're just going after we're going after someone because we don't like the American dream of starting a small company. And let me just say this. I'm not going to attack. I'm not going to. I don't like attacking rich people for growing up with money. Uh, but you can't. Say, OK, fair enough. Then you'll agree with me. You can't say someone is putting it all all on the line. Like this is someone starting a business and like taking out. Uh, loans and uh, maxing out their credit cards because if they lose uh, eating the business, they're they, they're they're out in the poorhouse. Yeah, this is an individual who comes from money, who uh, Dennis, who has been a huge game collector for like fifteen years since they were a teenager, and has a a a game collection with tons of money in it that puts mine to shame. We're talking huge amounts of money here. And that, according to either I asked him directly or others, 
that their father basically helped start the business with them. And they had investment money you can look up going back to as far back as uh, I think 2017 before it became a lot of games. It was like one up games, something I discovered or something that there's money into this. There's investors. This isn't like a small a mom and pop shop on the corner. So it's really disingenuous and nasty to then say like, oh, we're attacking the American dream. Like this is someone like starting the, a business in their fucking garage, you know, for a hundred dollars. It's just nasty. Yeah, it's nasty and it's untrue. Um, here's the next cut. And he went as far to accuse Eric Nyerman, a guy that's dedicated thousands of hours of his free time to studying this hobby, of not being a real collector. Very few people are this dedicated to a hobby. That's the definition of a collector. Jobs has no idea what he's talking about. Eric Nyerman literally admitted that he didn't even know the retro video game market existed and got into it to make money. He borrowed a million dollars from his rich friends and created a company with the specific intention of profiting from rising video game prices. I'm not even sure why you would argue this point when he explicitly explained his intentions. Of course, that same week I discover on Heritage Auctions vintage video games, which I never knew, even knew existed. Yeah, this is something we said where a lot of these collectors didn't know video game collecting was a thing until the news reports and seeing heritage auctions yeah. and seeing the water. They literally didn't know before like 2019 or so that this was anything individuals actually do. Yes. To, to me, you, and the audience, we may think, well, that's crazy. But we're involved with game collecting to this point. A lot of people uh, in the publics don't know about this stuff. Um, and the Mad Dog saying he's put thousands of hours into this. That makes him a, a real collector that he's put. It doesn't make you a real collector because you spend money. Anyone can spend money. That doesn't necessarily make you a collector above or below. Uh, it just means you have money to spend. Sure. That's all it means. And Mad Dog, if he was an honest person, he's not. Uh, he would point out the stuff that Eric Nyron have, has done that's positive in terms of being collecting. What have they actually done? And the answer is this. They spend a ton of money to hope to make money. That's that's the where that their passion begins and ends. And that's all I said. That's the difference and why, you, to me, you can't call a lot of these, peop a lot of these people video collectors at all, video game collectors at all because if it, if it wasn't video games like with Eric, they would have put their money into anything else and try to do the same thing. Anything else. Eric will just say, well, it's video games. It's, it's more fun than doing cards. But it's the same thought process. Yes. Amass as quickly as you can with as much money as you can because you think the market's going to go up. Get in early. That's all it is. Um, and so I watched Carl's video, Ian, the first like three quarters of it. And then it came to the part where I was heavily featured. I forgot how much I was in this mad uh, Mad Dog Collections video. And I'm not sure why at the time we didn't do a video on it because we probably should have. But uh, I was... These people don't need attention. True. But I I had past quotes misrepresented. And in one case here, I was outright fucking slandered by this person. Uh, this person claimed I said something I never said. So uh, I'll try to put it up on the board when we start this here. But this is the last of this topic is going to be just basically talking about me uh, here here let's put this up here it's a joke honestly i hate focusing on eric and i wouldn't have brought him up again if this video hadn't made such an insane argument i i, I don't mind bringing up eric because eric's an asshole 
and he's gone after me in comments and probably Ian multiple times in the past. I don't mind. I don't ma- mind going after assholes in particular. Uh, okay. Eric was merely an example of how these high-end speculators use money and the media in order to abuse a market for their True. own gain. Yeah, he's the poster child because he had an article written about him holding up two games with a, with a wacky face. And the first thing when me and you covered it, we're like, I never heard of this person yeah, before. Yeah, no, we had no idea who they were. And, and the article said they're one of the biggest game collectors. And I'm like, I never heard of this person ever. Jobs has no idea what he's talking about. Is Pat Contry Jobs' only definition of a collector? The same guy that says that true collectors should rip open their one-of-a-kind sealed games because games are meant to be played? Have I ever said people should rip open their sealed games, Ian? No, I, I don't believe so. I don't think you've ever said that. <laughs> I mean, if you did, he pro- he would have obviously gotten the quote and played it, right? That's that's slander. That's a definition. He knows I never said that. What I've always said was, um, I, yes, I believe in theory games because as the art form, they should be played. If you come across a sealed game, you might as well leave it sealed because there's plenty of, of open ones to play. I own I owned sealed games. Um, I've always, I've, I've here and there cherry pick certain games like the Google 13 games and things like that. I've never said the only game we ever ripped open. What was the one game we ever ripped open to play in the first NES marathon Sunday fun day. It was Sunday fun day. Wasn't it? Yeah. I was going to say it was Sunday fun day because Sunday fun day deserves to be played. I will say that was <laughs> because it was easier to find a uh, sealed cop. You couldn't find a card only or even a complete box Sunday funny. You found new old stock of those, but I think honestly, and that's the only sealed game I ever opened up was Sunday Funday. And boy, am I glad I did because the karaoke was worth it. Okay, let's continue here. I've opened quite a few. Is that really a collector? That's not me, by the way. That's not me. He used video of someone that could appear to be me with my dumb hair. That's not me. I'm going to need a source on this claim that Pat said people should rip open their sealed games. Pat owns sealed games himself and hasn't ripped them open, so I wouldn't believe such a claim without evidence. And given that you're about to show clips of Pat, why wouldn't you show the clip where he says this? My definition of a collector is someone who buys a game for the sake of owning it, and without the intention of selling it later. It's someone who buys a game because they want to keep it, not because they want to profit from its sale once the value has gone up. Does the same guy rip the top off of King Tut's sarcophagus Jesus because Christ. beds are meant to be laid in? What the? Does the same guy wear Michael Jordan's rookie jersey to a family barbecue because clothing is meant to be worn? Fucking oh, calm down. Settle down. Settle down. It's another straw man. Settle down. Next. And here's something interesting. Pat Contry makes his collecting philosophy very clear here. This, this is where it gets nasty. So the next section is going to be him distorting and cutting up clips of me saying different things in different sentences together. So this, when I first watched this video, I'm like, I don't understand what I'm even saying here. I had to go back and find it and tell Carl the original source of this video, which I believe, uh, since Ian wasn't there, it might have been around a, a Thanksgiving, maybe like 2019, something like that. It might have been something like that. Sure. Um, or maybe, didn't you do a, didn't you do a solo video? Um, this was during a podcast. Oh, okay. okay this gotcha. was definitely during a podcast. They don't care about the first Mario 3 box or the first, you know, you know what I mean? They don't care because they are video game collectors. Oh, they are sure. playing yeah. the games. We talked about well, that. Well, I'm not paying 
60 75 bucks for the first print marbles cart i'm fine with the second third fourth fifth sixth print runs because i just want to play what to me is one of the best platforms ever created i don't give a shit that this came out six months before this other version i don't care i just want to play the game but in the next breath i can't even drop the money i wanted to drop on an amazing fantasy of 15 grade because the price keeps going up 20 percent each year if variants don't matter because comic books are meant to be read why would you spend twenty thousand on an original when you could buy this copy for 20 bucks by the way he's holding up a, a trade paperback it's not even the same argument by the way it reads the same and comic books are meant to be read right pat this is truly beautiful the first clip seems a bit strange because pat is saying they so it doesn't seem like he's talking about himself they don't care about the first Mario three bucks or the first, you know, you know what I mean? They don't care because they are video game collectors. They are playing the games. But in the second clip, he definitely says, I don't care. I just want to play the game. Because I just want to play what to me is one of the best platforms ever created. I don't give a shit that this came out six months before this other version. I don't care. I just want to play the game. But sometimes, not everything is as it seems. Whenever you see clips like this online from people trying to discredit someone, you should always check the source before believing Amico it. Playbook. So let's take a look. So real quick, this conversation came up, Ian, because this is a response to, again, Danielle, Nerdy Girl Comics, who attacked in an article a lot of the sellers at Too Many Games back in 2019 and said, well, they don't know what they're doing because they, they're pricing the left super mario Bros. three bros same as the right and i was trying to defend them right by saying that they don't care the sellers no i i yes yes clearly because the buyers don't care about it the sellers don't yes look at this quote and check out the original context because if a video game vendor uh has a super mario Bros. three cart and it, it is the first print of it and puts the puts the uh, brothers to the left and then tries to sell it for three or four times the value tries to sell for 60 bucks most of the people that see that cart are, are, are going to be like, well, I'm not paying 60, 75 bucks for the first print Super Mario Bros. cart. I'm fine with the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth print runs because I just want to play what to me is one of the best platforms ever created. I don't give a shit that this came out six months before this other version. I don't care. I just want to play the game. So the clipped quote was this, but the actual full quote was this. He wasn't sharing his philosophy at all. He was just expressing what he thinks the opinion of most other people is, which is that they don't care about the variants, they just want to play games, which I also think is true. He wasn't even talking about collectors. He was talking about the general public. Because it's a hard thing. And just because you may know a couple little details doesn't mean you know everything. And it doesn't mean it's imp what you think is important means that it's important to these video game sellers. Because they're not making money off of the Super Mario Brothers 3 variant. That's not the way they're making a living. They're, make, they're not making money off of some of these box variants. Because the people that they um, sell to aren't you. They are buying just carts by large. So they don't give a shit because they're actually playing the games. So I was making the distinction between people like Danielle, who cared about the left bros and right bros, versus someone walking into Luna Video Games that just says, give me a Super Mario Brothers 3. Yes. I mean, it's pretty clear, that but guy, you got to cut it up. Yeah. And that's, uh, that, I think that's where I, I, everything falls apart for me. Um, you know, this, you can say that it's just, you know, one side of the collecting coin going after the other. But when you cut up a video like that to deceitfully try to make a false point, you have destroyed any other thing that, not that he was saying anything else in the video, it was all straw men. But at that point, you're just not to be taken seriously. Oh, uh, no. There's a little bit more almost through this a lot of the people they sell to. Even some of the collectors that are buying the cards or complete in box. 
They are playing the games. So they don't give a shit about what is the first box for Super Mario Brothers. They don't care about the first Mario 3 box. I never did. First, you, know, you know what I mean? They don't Personally. care because they are video game collectors. They are playing the games. This guy painstakingly edited the clip of Pat mid-sentence in order to lie and misrepresent what he said. People who do this are absolutely disgusting. I've had the same thing done to me, and it's why I really don't trust things like this without going to the source. I can't even drop the money I want to drop on an Amazing Fantasy of 15 grade because the price keeps going up 20% each year. If variants don't matter because comic books are meant to be read, why would you spend 20000 on an original when you could buy this copy for 20 bucks? You're not holding up a variant, asshole. You're holding up a trade paperback, which is entirely a different thing than the original comic. That doesn't make any fucking sense. That makes no sense. Jesus it reads Christ. the same. And comic books are meant to be read. Holy shit. Right, Pat? Amazing. So first, he edits Ugh. what Pat says to lie and misrepresent him. Then he takes that fake argument that he made up himself yeah. and smugly <laughs> argues against it <laughs> like it's a slam dunk. And with Pat being Job's main source of information for this video, I like how he just blatantly ignored anything positive that Pat had to say about Wada. That's... Okay, before I get to that, so... And Carl says this. So... The source of the information was was like all the articles that Carl talked about, and it was all the all like Heritage Auctions doing their own press releases, the Pawn Stars things, and things like that. Yes, yes, there could have been you know informed about hey, go look at this stuff, but that doesn't mean I'm the source. I'm just tipping off potentially where to look for these things. Right. I'm not the I'm not the one making up the connections. The connections are there. The connections are there in all these pieces of material. Uh, here. Wait, what? This guy just makes up whatever he wants and asserts it confidently as fact. It's honestly impressive. Pat was not my main source for the video, and it boggles the mind how much BS this guy is able to spin in such a short amount of time. My sources were the press releases, SEC filings, news articles, lawsuits, interviews, and TV appearances. The sources are all in the video. I spent a month investigating the individuals involved, learning their connections and history. How can you watch that video that has so many sources and claim that my source was Pat, when he was never cited as a source a single time? I like how he just blatantly ignored anything positive that Pat had to say about Wada. Wada Games, they marketed themselves better, closer to what CGC was uh, than what VGA. VGA dropped the ball. The Video Game uh, Authority, those guys dropped the ball. They could have been this, but they weren't. So I was talking about why... Uh, Wada was was easily more penetrating the market. And we talked about the first that it seemed Talked like about a, it a few times. It, it was a better designed uh, container. They, it seemed like they had uh, more transparency who was involved behind it uh, with people like, like with like Dan Anderson from Nintendo Waves. So on the surface, comparing VGA uh, to plus they have a better uh, rating system because it was comparable to comics where people like it. On its surface, um, when you look at VGA versus Wada, it looks like a better company, and we always said that. And yes, in theory, it was. It absolutely was. And that's what I was talking about at the time here. Uh, plus, well, we talked about how Wada was doing a better job because they had guys that, from the video game collecting scene, that knew about SEAL games to authenticate. They were really more of an authority than VGA, and that's why we liked Wada. But that doesn't work for Job's name. This asshole now is leaving out the fact that, like, you can talk about, like, the positive aspects of the product, but it doesn't mean the company behind it is good and is doing good sure. things. And can't be abused. 
And and that's why it's so frustrating when people do this shit. And plus, now this guy is supposed to be trusting what I'm saying before he's saying it's bullshit. Narrative. So instead, he oh. ran with this. In fact, the Video Game Authority, aka VGA, has been grading games since 2008. But the introduction of VGA didn't cause a bubble like the introduction of Water Games did. And the reason is simple. VGA didn't manipulate the market. Why would Heritage Auctions, a prestigious auction house, agree to sell games from a company that hadn't graded a single game? Why would they trust a business that hadn't even done any business to mm -hmm. begin with, when there was already an existing grading company that had been grading games for 10 years? Again, this isn't journalism. Pat knows the truth. WADA is a great company and do offer a great service. This fucking guy. This fucking guy, the fucking... Could you get your nose up their ass any further? Los cojones, Ian, of this guy to say this. Yeah. After all our coverage over the, of what's been happening over the years. And yeah, when it first started out, we said, yeah, this seems like this is, this is a lot better than VGA. This seems like a sure. positive start. And then weird shit started happening. And then they started, you know, to uh, grade a fucking... Uh, a, f a freaking reprint like uh, game, and then they uh, created a prototype that wasn't a prototype. That was bullshit. And then they had the Pawn Stars thing, and that's when it turned sour. That's when it turned on its on itself. Yeah, in uh, in early uh, 2019. Yeah, that's when it fucking turned. They had a little. They had a little uh, five six month little uh, uh, little grace period. We'll just say. Well, I was like, okay, we'll see how this plays out. It's positive, and then things started to get really freaking weird in 19. Uh, with this. I think that's about it for this guy. These arguments make no logical sense. No. He first suggests that it doesn't matter if Water and Heritage lies to the public or does anything illegal because the product they made was better than VGA. And even though my video was about their unethical business practices, I should have also praised them for some reason. Yeah, and this is what I'm going to end up with. And, mm -hmm. and, and this is where I, I probably disagree a little bit with Carl, is that the reason why... Um, this in particular, more so than VGA, why the sealed uh, gaming scene is so much weirder with, with the WADA angle is that it seems now from the person who started the company, who is a huge game collector themselves, Dennis Khan, that I wish we talked about this before. If you go to like his Instagram shows um, boxes, you know, boxes of sealed games, like, like, a, like a shipping case. Mm. Like they own shipping cases sure. of sealed games. They own multiples of the same. So it seems like the impetus for WADA started with we can make a lot of money because right. we own this stuff. You can't say that for VGA. I don't know. Uh, we have never seen, we were reporting a VGA doing the practice of the people that owned and operated the company being already pre invested in it and having all their buddies they bring in pre invested in, in right. what. The, not. I never heard of VGA capitalizing on it. WADA, they capitalized on it, including obviously Mark Hassel, who I personally saw buying sealed games back at Too Many Games in 2019 that I talked about in Carl's video that came out last year. That's the big difference. So it seems like, uh, what is the what is the, the law term? A fruits of a, of a poisonous tree? Is that, is that the term? Yes. Mm -hmm. The fruits, the po any positive aspect of WADA, oh, it's got a nice case on it. They have a nice grading system. It all came from, a, to my opinion, a very dark motivation behind it with nefarious actors. Fruits of a poisonous tree. I think that's the I'm law. I'm double checking right now. So you can't get a positive result 
if it started from a, a bad spot or an immoral or illegal spot, right? Yes. Yeah. That's how I look at WADA. I don't know if you agree, but I feel like that's to me how it how it turned how it's turned into. Uh, I mean, I'm going to be pretty. Uh, I have no desire to say that it started from a nefarious place. I just I don't know that, but it wouldn't surprise me if there was absolutely uh, monetary reasons for wanting to get involved, and that doesn't change it, the fact that whatever it started as is not what it is now. Even with Jim Halperin's involvement at the beginning. Just not, I, I'm not. I'm not sitting here defending okay. them. I'm just saying it doesn't matter what it started as. We're talking about right now, and now looks bad. Gotcha. Okay, you're thinking even okay, even it was innocent. It, it quickly turned sour. Sure, even started as it. Okay, fair enough. So that's it. So, so check out uh, Carl's full video. It's about 45 minutes, and um, uh, Mad Dog, uh, Mad Dog. I hate saying fucking name Mad Dog. Mad Dog Collection. Uh, I try to look for the original video. To source it. They have one video on their YouTube. They yeah, have all going on. Um, and they, they took down their, their channel, basically. Yeah, that's what I've noticed. And it says that their socials have gone away, too. Yeah. So they have no problem uh, distorting, slandering, and just putting words in people's mouths they never said and having straw man arguments, etc. But, you know, when push comes to shove, they are what they are. That's all I got to say on it. All right. Uh, we got a Patreon. Patreon.com slash CU Podcast. You go, a little bit of money changes hands. And you get, depending on how much you give us, uh, the full video podcast. Uh, you get bonus bits. You get uh, that we have a pin club. Pin club. Um, we do monthly hangouts. I do a writing about once a week. And you get access to these poll topics. Uh, in second place. Is grading or reselling worse for video game collect for, for video game collecting thirty one percent? And in first place, sixty nine percent. Nice. What Konami IP would you want them to bring back? So because they just is, held the contest. This is uh, on the heels of uh, them announcing some contest winners. Uh, they uh, this was announced September nineteenth uh, by Diamond Fate on IGN. So Konami put out a contest to find uh, indie developers to uh, remake. And, you know, revitalize some old properties. Uh -huh. And uh, the first winners have been announced. And the, the first place winner is uh, Takumi, Naka, uh, Takumi Naramura. Uh, they were the director of La Mulana and La Mulana 2, which are two well-known indie games. Uh, very well made. Um, kind of like Metroidvania style games. And uh, they are going to go on to remake uh, the a Konami game, The Maze of Gallius, which I'll be honest, I've never heard of. Apparently, it's a sequel to Nightmare. There was a Famicom version, but it never came out in the U.S. That's from of uh, Maze of Gallius. 87. Okay. Uh, which is described kind of as a, 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 a an early attempt at a Metroidvania. So it would make a lot of sense, a lot of good sense to put that in the hands of the, you know, the person who made La Mulana. So obviously not a hugely well-known property. No. Um, and they announced some other winners. And, uh, so Pat and I thought we'd take a look at what we would want, you know, to what we would want brought back and keep in mind that Konami now has the Hudson properties, the, the old Hudson soft. Properties. Oh, that's a twist. I wasn't thinking about Ian. And it's, is uh, that, is that technically what the contest was saying? Well, I was, oh. I didn't, when I was looking at the list of Konami properties, I was like, Oh, I would say star soldier, but I didn't know if that would count. However, Last line here, or, uh, yeah, last line. 
While Naramura's entry won the top spot, four more developers were also awarded prizes for their ideas. Oh, oh. The runners-up include new versions of Star Soldier, Parodius, Twinbee, and Puyon. All right, so you, so you got a you got a Star Soldier in there. Yeah. And wow. uh, that was going to be my number one choice, and I was going to try to make the argument for it fucking counting, but I don't need to make the argument for it counting, because apparently Konami themselves uh, <laughs> uh, feel that it's it's worth revitalizing that one. Um, I would really like to see, um, if they've since they've got it, I'd love to see another Adventure Island game. I think, I you know what? When's the last Adventure Island game now? I gotta look that up. Adventure Island series. I think. I want to say Super Nintendo. I think it's almost like it's almost your own surprise. There hasn't been one in like that long, right? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I mean, as as much as the games are good, and we didn't know about it in the U.S., see, they were also like built entirely around a cult of personality for a certain character in Japan. So, sure, you know, maybe see, they just lost interest in that. See, I'm thrown off because I don't know if that was in the spirit of the question because it's not a traditional, it's not a Konami property. Like that's, I mean, they own it now, but that's you know what I mean. Like I didn't think about. Any of the Hudson Soft uh, things like that. Yeah. Um, but now I'm curious. The last game was. What was the last game? Appearance of another game, sequels. There was a. Oh, there was a fucking mobile game in 2010. We don't count that. No. Um, New Adventure Island for Turgraph 16. Well, that's that was on. That was the one on the Wii. Okay. Uh, Adventure Island, the beginning for the Wii? Okay. That one I never heard of. So the last one was 2009. Okay. Yeah, I'd have to look that up. Uh, as far as actual Konami series, I think um, it's tough. <laughs> and now that I've seen the Hudson series, that's what I'm the most interested in. Uh, Twinbee. Twinbee is definitely one for me. Um, I, I'm not a huge fan of Konami's Gradius series. Um, and that unfortunately... You don't like Life Force either? Huh? You don't like Life Force? Life Force? Life Force. Oh, Life Force is okay. Yeah. I, I just, I don't like the power-up system a lot, because it, 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 you might as well just be playing those games with one life. Yeah. I mean, they're not awful, but they're just, they're not yeah, my favorite. There's, there's, but Twinbee is is a series that I oh, do Twin, enjoy. Twinbee's fun. I like Twinbee. Um, Twinbee got really good as the series went on. I would love to see a new top-down uh, Twinbee shooter, uh, and it looks like I'm actually probably going to see that. Mm -hmm. Um so that's probably the big one for me. And I would really like to see Bomberman come back with a, a better like a, a better online mode than the fucking free to play one they have out there. And okay. I think they are in the, the process of I never played a the, new I never played the Switch launch one. It's good. It's good. But there was just no online, you know, there was no online uh fan base. Oh, there's an online mode, but just people weren't playing it. See when I see bring it back, it's like when I look at something like Bomberman, they're always gonna make Bomberman games. Right. That's they're always gonna make well. I guess they're not always going to make uh, Metal Gear games, are they? If they stopped for several years. I can picture them making another Metal Gear game, that, well, sure. besides mobile. Uh, Castlevania, I can picture them always making Castlevania games. Right. May not be, you know, they're always going to... So when I, when I took this question to be like, what's a def, almost a de defunct one? That's the way I sort of took this. And um, I actually had, had uh, sort of trouble. Like, like Contra... Contra, you you get releases every so often. You got um, a game with the name, but not the spirit. So I yeah, feel like it's reasonable but, to ask for a return of Contra. Yeah, but it's a game, though. I, I understand. I'm, I'm like looking at some of the old stuff here. Um, like, would they would they ever bring back uh, what's what's a one we can get on the same page? Like, would Bloody War Roar ever come back? Bloody Roar is a Hudson property. 
Okay. So would that come back? I'll tell you exactly what I want to come back. This is what Konami can do to get me back in their good graces. And I'm saying come back because while it is still a series that is released in uh, Japan regular, well, fairly regularly, uh, I want them to bring back the MLB Power Pros series that they had on the uh, Wii. There was the original release, and then there was the 2008 release. MLB Power Pros was based off of the powerful Pro Yaku uh, engine. Um, it's a if if it, even if you don't know what it is, if you look up Power Pro Baseball, you'll recognize the characters. They're iconic characters, uh, certainly among Konami characters. They have big heads. They have uh, Rayman like hands and legs. Okay, they, they're. And the batting in the batting and pitching battles that you can get into in those games is it's extremely exciting and a lot of fun. And it's a it, it's it's unique because it's cutesy, but there's a lot of technicality to it. And the big thing that makes these games, uh, you know, desirable for people. And one of the reasons why they're so popular in Japan is uh, there's entire story modes that you can play through. And all sorts of weird, wacky shit can happen, you know, as basically they take the, uh, you know, create a character mode and they uh-huh. really, really flush it out. And they're a lot of fun. And they did that for the um, for the MLB Power Pro series. And the reason why I mentioned is I can still import Powerful Pro Yaku and play it and play the exhibition games, you know, uh, get my way through a season with a translation guide. But you you're never going to get that fun of the story mode unless they bring it back in English. So I guess that's an asterisk one. I I would say I'd like them to re you know, bring that series back west. Okay, I had had one just hit me that I can't believe I didn't think of before. Mm. I got a couple other and one I'm not even I don't have a lot of experience with, but uh what when's the last uh, Rocket Knight Adventure series we got? When's, when's uh, we one? got a, from what I understand, a um, a very uh, unimpressive uh, Xbox Live Arcade version, probably around 2010. Okay, that was the last one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, 2010. Uh, how about this one? I I like these games. I think you could do it in the original cartoony. How about a new track and field? Yeah, same style as the the original, not even the second one. Just simple, cute cartoon graphics. They did one on the DS, and it was fantastic. I, I, I would I would uh, buy any new track and field game that they wanted to put out. I loved the one that was on the DS, and that's that's at least fifteen years ago now. So give, give me a a sixteen bit style track and field with like I don't know. Give me twenty events. Pump up the events like the events from like even track and field. So give me a cute little taekwondo. Give me a fencing. Give me obviously the, the, the quote unquote track and field events. I think that I think I think there's a market for that. I really do. I think it's not a hugely heavily involved affair to do that. I think it would sell decently. And you, you put one out every four years. You know, we put, do we have Mario at the Olympics every four years. Yeah. Give me a cheap little track and field. And the last one that I thought of, which I can't believe I didn't think of before. Um, how about a new Sunset Riders? Oh yeah, that'd be fun. Give me a, give me a new Sunset Riders. Yeah, keep it in the old west easily. You can keep the same characters. You can add on characters, and yeah, it doesn't have to be a, it doesn't have to be like over an hour experience playing a game like that. Just yeah. give me some really nice tight. We've seen that side scrolling action games work yeah. again, beat 'em ups and stuff, and really uh, something like you know that is not so I different. I didn't. I can't believe I didn't think about that. Sure, that's like one of my all time probably top. Probably honestly, top fifteen arcade uh, game to me is Sunset Riders. It's incredible. It's five stars in a certain Super Nintendo guidebook. 
yeah, Sunset Riders. That's that's my picks. I, Sunset Riders and Track and Field. Yeah, I think those are two I'd love to see uh, come back for sure. And the Hudson, yeah, that, that's cheating a little bit, but yeah, who doesn't want to see Bonk back? I mean, we almost we we literally had a Bonk game in development. Uh, in 2010, yeah. I, I interviewed the guy, and it was canceled. It's a shame because it, it, it sounded like it was kind of far along. It was like you know enough that it was playable a demo at the event. So, all right, well that's a good one. This CU podcast segment is sponsored by NordVPN. It's what I use to keep myself safe online, and you can too if you care about the security and safety of your online presence. Take control of your internet experience today with NordVPN. I've used NordVPN when I'm traveling, or I'm in a, a restaurant. Um, at a diner, airport, you just feel a little bit, a little more secure knowing that someone's watching your back. It's indispensable, NordVPN, for helping avoid nasty things online like malware, phishing attacks, and ransomware. NordVPN has great threat protection that protects from malicious sites, downloads, trackers, and intrusive ads. Threat protection is always on the lookout, even when not connected to a VPN. So just because you're not browsing the internet doesn't mean that it's not checking your computer for things that are going wrong. Stay safer with secure internet. With NordVPN, all of your internet data stays safe behind a wall of next-generation encryption. It blocks malware and ads. You can turn on CyberSec to avoid malware hosting websites, annoying ads, and botnet control. It has a strict no-logs policy. Nord will not track, collect, or share your private data. It's none of their business. And they'll protect your data nonstop. A kill switch will make sure your data will not be exposed, not even for a brief moment. And it masks your IP. Keep your browsing to yourself. Don't let others track what you do online. There are VPN servers everywhere. Choose from 5,400 plus servers in 59 countries. Enjoy the internet with no limits or borders. You have worldwide access. You can enjoy instant secure access to hundreds of streaming websites worldwide, and you get ultra-fast connections. You don't need to sacrifice speed for better security. NordVPN gives you both. You can cover multiple devices with one account. You can cover up to six devices. Secure them all in any combination. And it provides privacy on the go. Protect your online life with one-click next-generation encryption for mobile. Take control of your internet experience today with NordVPN. Right now, you can get a two-year plan at a huge discount, plus four additional months for free when you go to nordvpn.com slash podcast. It's risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com slash podcast, or just click the link in the description below. Uh, we got voicemails, Ian. We sure do. You go to anchor.fm slash podcast. You go, you leave a voicemail. Keep it 20 seconds is Pat's sweet spot on the voicemails. That You know what I like out there? And maybe you'll make maybe you'll make it on the air. Hey, Pat and Ian, this is Vince again Vince? from Northern California. Hey, if there was a Mount Rushmore of video games, who would be the four characters on that Mount Rushmore video games? Thanks, guys. I got it. Uh, Pac-Man, Mario, Sonic, and Doom Guy. See, I think what's interesting about this question is that you, it's almost like a lot of Mount Rushmores. The first three you will get almost no argument usually against mm-hmm. like the first and the fourth one. You can probably make cases for like five different people. Um, <laughs> you love doom guy. Who doesn't love doom guy? They can doom guy. Um, so obviously Pac-Man is the OG, the, the original mascot uh, for video games, hugely most influential game ever. Probably um, Mario blew up things in the eighties. Nintendo mascot the biggest icon now in video games and probably will, will be forever. Sonic was the, like the second big icon to come up after, after, uh, after Pac-Man and, and Mario. Um, so obviously Sonic, even though half his games are trash. Uh, the, 
The fourth one, I got to get them. The fourth one is interesting to me because once you get past like the errors in nineties, it opens up more. You got Xbox, you have Sony, you have more PC, and it's a different era for sure. Once you get past like you know the mid to late nineties, to me, I thought long and hard about this, and I can I honestly think. It would probably be the fucking Halo guy. I honestly think a lot of people would vote if there was a contest, due to like the fact that it's Xbox's big icon, t- uh, hugely popular games. You got um, the fucking meme series shit on YouTube early on, and now you got a television show. Like I look at, it, I think that would be the modern one, and you could probably make cases for others, but I think that's how it would progress. It's like. Like eighties to nineties to two thousands to to uh, the hail. I really think that's what I would put for that. I've heard your arguments, and I understand where you're coming from. But the answer is Doom Guy. Okay, and, right. but, and they look like nine percent the same. So maybe you can just alter the art a little bit on, on the helmet. <laughs> the answer is Doom. Okay, next. Hey guys, Rich from Cincinnati again. Got a quick one for you. All right, here it is. You got. Okay. Uh, one favorite snack food, one favorite video game. Could be any kind of console, handheld, whatever. And the apocalypse is upon us. <laughs> okay, okay. One handhold and one snack? Like that's it? <laughs> uh gummy bears and Sonic 3 and Knuckles. There we go. Oh god, what's the one snack? I don't usually have like a one prefer. I like mixed nuts a lot, but god, I love cool ranch Doritos. They're good. And is it a handheld game? I, uh, any game. Oh, any game? Handheld, well, whatever. Well, said. I always said, you know, civilization, civilization. Is, is infinitely replayable. Yeah, I'm just so, changing it up a little. I know, but that's, yeah. Hey, Pat and Ian, Steve from Pittsburgh. Hey, Steve. I was wondering if you guys had a Holy Grail game or a game that always manages to slip through your fingers, or if you own the game, what that game was. Thanks. Love the podcast. I don't think I've ever had a game that's always slipped through my fingers like it was, you know, like escaping me. I'm trying to think. No, I don't think there's ever been one like that. I mean, if I, just from a purely collection standpoint, if I if there was one Holy Grail game I'd have, uh, it's probably the uh, um, Super Real Mahjong that was on the PC Engine, where there was a uh, contest copy that there's only 13 known copies of. Oh. Uh, one of those, or uh, a complete in box Hong Kong uh, Mahjong. Oh wow. Well, you know someone who has one, right? I know um, someone who has two. That's still incredible. One's loose. I think one's complete. We're going to make an offer. I, I think I'd want a, a Vectrex Mr. Boston. It's just so it's just a dumb thing that shouldn't exist. Yeah. And I almost had a chance to buy one. Someone contacted me saying they they bought, I think, a Vectrex. It's like eight years ago. They bought a Vectrex, and it had it in there. I don't think it had the overlay. And I said, I made it, I, I said do you want to sell it? I never heard back from them. I think it's so dumb that I want a Mr. Boston Vectrex. Uh, cart, which just which is just basically a reskin of their what is it of their uh, fucking. I mean, it's just clean sweep. equally dumb that I would want the Hong Kong mahjong. It's just, well, I like... but, but that's at least a, like a interesting game, and they're hard to find. It sure. didn't come out. Um, next. Hey, Pat and longtime listener. Question is for both of you. When you grew up, did you have any special way of getting your NES cards or SNES cards to ever start? I had one friend that his technique was to keep a little bit of the top of the cartridge right, not quite in, oh. but enough where he could almost like hit the top of it. And it oh, yeah. seemed yep. to work. Mm-hmm. Also, I had a friend that just kind of slammed the cartridge down and somehow worked magic. Uh, and also, Pat, 
what's your ultimate pizza if you could make it? And Ian, what's your ultimate sandwich? Intermittent fast. What's your what's your ultimate sandwich? You know, I mean, I, 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 if you gave me time to think of something intense and, and like a real thought, I, I could. However, I think that there is a lot to be said about a BLT being the perfect sandwich. Really, I think it's fantastic. A little sweetness from the tomato, salt from the uh, the bacon, mayo. the 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 refreshing crunch of the lettuce, and just a little bit of tang from a from a little bit of mayo. And I had a lot of I had a lot of fresh cracked black pepper. It's a Tick's favorite food. Was it BLT? Oh yeah, it's fucking amazing. Um, best my favorite pizza. The, we I think I had it. I think a long while a few years ago. Meatball. Mushroom and eggplant. That That's is great. my all-time favorite pizza. And you can't get it a lot of places. Well, in the West Coast, most places don't have eggplant on a pizza. Um, what was the first question? I don't know. I'm starving now. The first question was about oh, getting tips, get, getting games to work. I didn't have oh, one as a right. kid. I just blow on it because, like, it, it, the first few years, you didn't realize you about rubbing alcohol in a Q-tip. I don't know how they even got out that you can do that. But like, imagine I'm thinking about the hours. It would take you 35 minutes sometimes to get a game started. I'm not even joking. You'd sit oh, there. You'd struggle. Try. It was bad. Uh, my my tip, and it's still my tip to this day, is I developed the special wiggle. The wiggle that worked. We just special wiggle. The wiggle works. A little uh, wiggle, wiggle. I shift to the right, to the left, and then to the right. And I take my fingers off and I hit play. And, some, and somehow the pins get, get just, nudged just, in there. Yeah. They would get massaged. It's like, yeah, snuggle in there. Yeah, yeah it's know. really weird. It's, it's the worst technology ever for a cartridge. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. Hey, Pat. Hey, Ian. Rick Pasley from Rensselaer, Indiana. Hey. A non, non-gaming question. Uh-oh. I was just wondering, do you think that pro, that pro wrestling fans are going to view the 2010s as fondly as, as, the, as the 70s and 80s? And up to ninety-five-ish. Have a great, great day, and and and, and love, love the podcast, and blessed be, and all that good stuff. No, there's a lot. I mean, there's there's uh, definitely good things that happened in wrestling in the 2010s. There have been great matches in the 2010s, but no. as a whole, the story, the product, it's been it's been it was stagnant. All Cena. It's been stagnant. It was all Cena, then all all Roman Reigns. Yeah, that's exactly um, my thought. Is it's it's just it's the Roman Reigns show. They they kicked out Daniel Bryan. Well, he got well, they tried it, then they, then he got hurt. Um, and then TNA was a dumpster fire. I think once you got the 2010s, once Hogan was in, involved in stuff like so, TNA was good up until that point with Bischoff. And then, so yeah, I don't no, 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 no. So we're gonna top the 80s into the 90s. Do like three or four more here. Hey Pat, hey Ian, this is Ryan from Wisconsin. I was listening to the latest episode and I heard Pat talking about Night Rider. Watching that. Was that like a wolf in the background? That sure was. That's what I heard. It not having an ending. Actually, there was a TV movie in 91 called Knight Rider 2000 that actually went. Yeah, I went through it before. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah, we went through the Knight Rider 2000. How it's. I mean, you yes. almost want to watch it to see how it doesn't. It's not Knight Rider at all. It's just not. Hi, Pan Ian. It's Charles from Saskatchewan, Canada. My question That's is what is your favorite? Special edition console. Mine's the Ice Blue Nintendo 64. Oh, love the podcast. Hope you have a great day. I used to have an answer to this. Now I don't. Mine is the um, uh, Pokemon Center Tokyo Limited Edition yep. Game Boy Lite, uh, which I own. 
and I need to see if you can get a screen replacement in the back of it because it the, the those old like Timex style Indiglo screens mm-hmm. they start to burn out after a while. So did I used to have an answer for this? I don't have one anymore. I thought I used to have an answer for this. Maybe no, my favorite variant, and now I can't remember like what that is. Basically, because it, because NES didn't have any, it just had the toppler. It almost doesn't count. <laughs> Pat Ian is uh, Sean from Dublin, Ireland. Sean. Um, obviously, the voicemail uh, segment of the podcast has been great success, and Tommy has been a, a key uh, player in it. But just wondering if opening up has opened it up to nasty voicemails or you know uh, any hate from potential fanboys of a certain console. Thanks. No. a little bit, but not a lot. We've I mean, like one or two messages. We never got hateful amico message. Oh, hateful amico messages. Yeah, was... I think he just meant in general. Oh yeah, we've got stuff. yeah, we've got a couple. They don't yeah. one one made the air. Yeah, we went off on one person, but. No, and usually people are respectful, but no, we got we had no one Amico. Yeah, because what? Because what are they going to say? Well, plus, plus you're thrown to the dogs if you yeah. leave us a voicemail, we'll rip you apart uh, when it comes to that. Like you don't have a chance. Hey guys, love the show. Since Tommy stopped calling in, I would like to take a moment to ask our Australian friend Dongo to start calling in again and talk about his favorite Australian exclusive no. Nintendo games. Thanks, guys. Well, it's Dago. It's Dago. Not Dongo, but th- no, I don't want him to ever call it. <laughs> it's so, the last one was so bad. I can't believe we were kind of tricked for the first one uh, there. I, I mean, I wasn't. It was just all? kind of a, no, I was uh, not at all. Well, those we have actual Aussies calling us. It's like, yeah. Too much. Uh, Dango, yeah. Eh? Eh? This is Mitch from Nebraska. Hey, Long Mitch. time, first time. Wait, wait. I was listening to your guys' podcast from last week where you played the Q&A from the convention. Ian had mentioned that he was terrified of driving. I am very curious about this. Ian, can you please elaborate? Thanks, guys. You want to elaborate? I mean, there's not a whole lot to elaborate on. I just find driving to be uh, an unpleasant sensation. I actually don't. If you, I mean, if you, you really want some info on me, I don't like. I don't much like vehicles at all. I don't like being on bikes. You like being on bikes? I don't like being on. Bikes. What did you do when you were a kid? I loved being on a bike when I was a kid, but as an adult, I don't really like being on bikes. I like to walk around on my own two feet. Uh, as far as driving, it just it stresses me out. I've always had anxiety issues, and I've managed to get almost all of that under control over the years. But one thing that will still always make me anxious as fuck is the idea of driving. I don't like being in control of a metal shell wrapped around me. As I just I don't I don't know what else there is to really a say about metal it. shell wrapped around me. I'm not sure I ever had it described like that. Um and the thing uh, is is like I actually it, it was kind of California, I think, that really just put an end to my desire to do a whole lot of driving because I did get my license uh in Buffalo. I learned how to drive in the fucking snow in Buffalo. So like it wasn't like I was learning in prime conditions. But I moved out here and, uh, you know, my first job was delivery, was floral delivery. Mm-hmm. And it was misery, uh, one, because at the time there there weren't like, sure. I mean, the smartphones weren't a thing yet. There was just there was no I, I had to look up all my routes on fucking Thompson's maps books, which was a pain in the ass. And on top of it, I was thrown into it on a Ford E-150 van, which is a rolling goddamn blind spot on wheels. I mean, oh. the thing just sucks. So, you know, my first experience out here is, you know, trying to, you know, maintain a job. I wasn't when they hired me, they didn't tell me it was going to be for delivery because I was not applying to be a delivery driver because I used to be a florist. And then I showed up my first day and they're like, hey, if you want a job, you're delivery. And I just took it. Um, I'm, 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 I'm Captain Voicemail. We, we got it. Anyways. So, soon. yeah, that was <laughs> well, you ran plenty long. Uh 
yeah, that's basically it. I just, I hate it. I drove out here. It was a miserable experience. And I just said, you know what? I'm not fucking doing it. Sure. All right. And that was it. So, sorry for coming down. And you're, you're, you're Captain Intro. I'm Lieutenant Voicemail. It's all good. Uh, we, got, we got to shoot a little bit anyway afterwards for for um, certain sponsor. Where, where's, where's my blaster? Where's my gel blaster? Where'd I, I put it? Oh, it's, out in the, it's out in the kitchen. Get that gel blaster. It's nice. Use code GBCU podcast. You got a free hopper and some extra. Extra jealous going on. All right, that's it. We'll see you next time. Bye.